This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. It is a pleasure to be with you today on Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you who are watching at this time, especially if you may be watching for the very first time. We're delighted to have you watching today. Now, today on our telecast, we're going to be discussing this subject based on a reading from the Old Testament, The Half Has Not Been Told. I hope that you'll stay tuned. Now, on our telecast today, we're offering a free Bible correspondence course. Many people are studying this course in the privacy of their homes. We want you to avail yourself the opportunity to receive this Bible course. And there you say, well, Brother Lambert, just exactly how much does it cost? It absolutely nothing. We're offering it free of charge. Anything that we offer on getting to know your Bible comes at no cost to you. We, we pay, we bear the expense of all of that. You say, well, why would you do that, Brother Lambert? Because we want you to know your Bible. Now, in order that you might know more about the course, that you might know how to receive it, Let's pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-877. 7-1-1-5-2-1-4. I'd like to read now from 1 Kings, the 10th chapter, beginning in verse 1. Now, when the queen of Sheba heard the, of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. She came to Jerusalem with a very great train, with camels that bore spices, very much gold, and precious stones. And when she came to Solomon, she spoke with him about all that was in her heart. So Solomon answered all of her questions. There, there was nothing so difficult for the king that he could not explain it to her. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all the wisdom of Solomon, the house that he had built, the food on his table, that the seating of his servants, the service of his waiters and their apparel, his cupbearers and his entryway by which he went up into the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. Then she said to the king, It was a true report which I heard in my own land about your words and your wisdom. However, I did not believe the words until I came and saw with my own eyes and indeed the half was not told me. Your wisdom and prosperity exceed the fame of which I heard. This is one of the interesting stories in the Bible. Our Lord made reference to it in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 42 about the, the queen of Sheba, the queen of the south, coming to listen to Solomon. And he said, Behold, a greater than Solomon is here. She came because she had heard about his, all that Solomon had. She had heard about his wisdom, about his fame. 
And when she came and she saw everything that Solomon had, when she listened to Solomon, she exclaimed, the half has not been told. You know, we could say that about so many things today. The half has not been told about the goodness of our God toward us. God has been so good. The half has just no way for us to really explain that adequately. But, but I want us to think about this. The half has not been told about the happiness of the believer. Our world is filled with so many unhappy people. So, oh, they're so unhappy. I read a number of years ago the little story about, about a man who went to the doctor. And the doctor said, now what seems to be your problem? He says, well, I don't really know, doctor. He said, but I'm so depressed. I'm despondent. I just don't feel like life is worth living. And the, the doctor said to him, he says, well, sir, he said, I'd like to make a recommendation to you. He said that there's a circus in town, and they have a clown in that circus. And it is said that that clown can make even the most despondent person laugh. And the man said, you don't understand, doctor. I am the clown. Oh, yes, there are many unhappy people in the world. And their happiness is manifested in their actions. And their unhappiness is manifested in their attitude. Some are short-tempered. Some have feelings of inferiority. Some are never smiling. They never smile. And some are just difficult to be around. And the problem is they're not happy. Unfortunately, many people seek happiness where happiness is not found. They, 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 they are like I was when I was just a little boy trying to catch grasshopper. And about the time I'd try to catch a grasshopper, he would jump. And then I'd see where he went and I'd try to catch him again and he would jump. And many are trying to find happiness in certain things. And about the time they think they have found the key to happiness, it eludes them. Some are trying to find happiness in money. There isn't anything wrong with having money. I, I found that Having a little money puts my creditors in a lot better frame of mind, haven't you? But you see, we ought not to live for it. It ought, ought not to dominate our lives. But there are those who think that if they have lots of money, they're going to be happy. The wife of a very famous entertainer said many years ago, I thought money could buy happiness. I've been terribly disillusioned. And there are lots of people that are disillusioned when they get it. And if you were to have all the money in the world, <clears throat> that doesn't mean that you're going to be happy. Some are trying to find happiness in the use of things like alcohol or, 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 or other kinds of drugs. But that's not going to bring happiness as usually. It brings misery instead of happiness. So some try to find happiness in, in books. Some try to find happiness in education. Some try to find happiness in living a life of, of immorality. But they're seeking happiness where happiness cannot be found. 
God did not design man to be unhappy. If you have the notion that God made us to be unhappy, then, then you don't understand the God of the Bible. He, he designed us to have a life of happiness and abundance and, and a fulfilled life. John 10 and 10, Jesus said He came that men might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I think about what Peter wrote in 1 Peter the 3rd chapter, verses 10 through 12. He that will love life and see good days. Let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. You see, the Lord wants us to be able to love life. He wants us to be able to see good days. God wants man to be happy. And Solomon looked for it. If there's ever been a person that looked for happiness, it was Solomon. In Ecclesiastes, the second chapter, he said he sought what a man should do under the sun all the days of his life. In other words, he wanted to find out what a man could do to have a fulfilled life, to have a happy life. And he looked for it. He traveled down every avenue, every highway you can imagine. He tried wine, women, and song. He tried all the things that a lot of people are trying today in, in looking for happiness. And his conclusion was, all is vanity and all is vexation of spirit. When you turn to the book of Ecclesiastes, in the 11th chapter of Ecclesiastes, I want you to listen to what he says as he comes near the end of his life. And I'm looking chapter 11 now, verse 9, and he's looking back. Here is a man who had been looking for happiness all the days of his life. And he says, Rejoice, O young man, in your youth. And let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eye. But know that for all these things God will bring you into judgment. Therefore remove sorrow from your heart and put away evil from your flesh. For childhood and youth are vanity. Remember now your Creator in the days of your youth, before the difficult days come and the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. I want you to think about what Solomon says as he comes to the close of life. After having looked for it all of his life, looked for happiness, to try to find out what a man should do under the sun all the days of his life. And he says, rejoice. Learn to live a life of rejoicing. He says, rejoice in, the, in your youth. Let, yet, let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes. But you need to know this, that God is going to bring you into judgment for all the things that you've done. So you need to learn to rejoice. And then he says, remove sorrow from your heart. Get the things out of your life that will keep you from being unhappy. Suppose you get out working in your yard and, and maybe you have some, some rose, uh, roses uh, out in your flower garden and you're out working in your rose garden and, and you happen to get stuck by one of those rose bushes. 
Oh, they have those stickers on them. And that thing stays in your flesh. And it hurts. Well, let me ask you, what are you going to do if you have that sticker in your finger? Well, what are you going to do if you were to get a splinter in your finger and it hurts? Are you just going to leave it there? Suppose you went to the doctor and the doctor says you have a tumor in your body. And if you will allow me to go ahead now, as soon as possible, and operate, I can remove it. And you will live. If I don't remove it, eventually you will die. Let me ask you, what would you do about that tumor? What would you do about the splinter? What would you do about the sticker? You said, I'd get the sticker out of my finger. I'd get the splinter out of my finger. I'd get the tumor out of my body. Why? Because I'd get the sticker and the, and the splinter out of my finger because it hurts. I'd get the tumor out of my body because it kills. And we need to remove from our lives anything that would keep us from being unhappy. Some of us are doing things that we know leads to an unhappy life. You're not ever going to be able to rejoice <laughs> until you get it out of, the li out of your life. You're going to have to remove it. And then he says in chapter 12, verse 1, Remember now your Creator. Not later, but now. Remember God. He says in the days of your youth. You see, Solomon was looking for happiness. And he says you're not going to have any happiness, first of all, uh, until you remember God. And when you remember God, you've got to remove stuff out of your life that will be a stumbling block. And once you get the things out of your life that would bring trouble to you, then you can live a life of rejoicing and happiness. I have an idea there's some watching right now that are not very happy. It may be that you're doing things that, that have contributed to your unhappiness. And it's like a cycle. You know you ought to stop but you have a difficult time stopping. But let me ask you, what if you knew your life was involved? when you stop? But you see, there's more than just your physical life involved here. It's your soul that's going to last throughout all eternity. You need to get out of your life things that would keep you from being happy. I don't care what it is. If it's alcohol, get it out. You use drugs, cease using those drugs. If you need help overcoming those problems, get some help with them. If you've been living a life of sexual immorality, cease doing that because it's going to bring misery. Well, there may be some man right now who's being unfaithful to his wife. And you know deep down in your heart that that's going eventually to bring some unhappiness and misery and heartache to your family. And right now there's a turmoil in your heart because you live in constant fear that your wife is going to find out. Don't tell me that you're happy. You're not ever going to be happy till you remove sorrow from your heart. Things that cause sorrow. And when you learn to remember God and obey God and do what God would have you to do, then you can rejoice.
You see, there is a place of happiness and joy. In Philippians 4 and 4, Paul said, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Happiness, real happiness, is found in Jesus. I want you to notice some things about this passage in Philippians 4, verse 4. Notice the command. Rejoice. Rejoice. It is normal for a Christian to live a life of rejoicing. To, to be happy. To be happy in spite of what may happen to you in life. Then he says, here's the place of that rejoicing. In the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. But you can't rejoice in the Lord unless you're in the Lord. And to be in the Lord, you must believe on Christ and repent of your sins and confess that you believe in Him and be baptized into Christ. Galatians 3.27 So rejoice in the Lord. What's the frequency of that rejoicing? Just on Sunday morning? You, you put on your Sunday morning face and, and you're all smiles and you're all happy when you go to worship on Sunday morning and then when you get in the car, all of that becomes gloom and doom. No, no. He said rejoice in the Lord always. Always. Seven days a week. But this is a repeated command. He says, and again, I say rejoice. Father, Christian has every reason to rejoice. I want to call your attention to a text in the 8th chapter of Acts. In the 8th chapter of Acts, we have the story about Philip and the eunuch. And in Acts 8 and verse 25, that, or verse 26, the angel of the Lord spake to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south, along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all of her treasury, had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning, and sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. And then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, How can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation his justice was taken away, and who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch asked Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does the prophet say this? of himself or of some other man. Then Philip opened his mouth, beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. And as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, Ah, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, If you believe with all of your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more. 
And he, that is the eunuch, the man had just been baptized, went on his way rejoicing. You see, the Christian has every reason to rejoice. First of all, your past sins are forgiven. And you have access to all spiritual blessings that are found in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'd urge you to do just exactly what this man did in Acts 8 chapter. If you believe in Jesus, then and you're willing to put sin behind you, a life of sin behind you, and turn your life over to the Lord Jesus Christ, would you confess your faith in Him? Would you be baptized into Him? Now that doesn't mean that you're not ever going to have any problems because indeed you will. A man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. A man by the name of Robert Hall once said, He never knew a person, however depressed by poverty and sickness, who if he sincerely served the Lord was not happy. And I believe that he's right. That just because you're a Christian does not mean that you're not going to ever have any problems. If you hear some preacher telling you that if you just turn your life over to the Lord and, and everything is going to be rosy, you'll never have any problems again. You'll never have another bad cold if you'll just turn your life over to Jesus. Well, let me tell you, that man is not living in reality. You see, Paul was a Christian, wasn't he? But you th would you not think that being put in prison was a problem? Would you not think being stoned was a problem? Would you not think being beaten was a problem? Would you not think being in a shipwreck was a problem? Would you not think being put in jail was a problem? Paul was a Christian. But in spite of all that happened to him in life, Paul is the man who said, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. We can be content and we can be happy in spite of our circumstances. I want to call your attention to a pass another passage in Philippians chapter 4. And this passage is in verse 11 where Paul wrote and said, I have learned in whatsoever state I am in, therein or therewith to be content. Have you ever thought about where Paul was when he wrote that? When, when Paul said, I have learned that whatever state I'm in, whatever the circumstances of my life are, I have learned to be content. Well, he wrote that, friends. He was in prison. You see, we need to learn to be content with whatever state we may find ourselves in. If we are content, we're not going to be grumbling. We're not going to be mumbling. We're not going to be complaining. Someone says, does that mean that you're satisfied? Absolutely not. No, no. I'd like to get out of the circumstance that I may be in that may be causing me discomfort, but I'm going to be content. I'm going to be satisfied. I'm going to be satisfied with my lot in life, but at the same time I'm going to be trying to improve my lot in life. Just because an individual may be having financial difficulties, that, that's no sign that they have to always be unhappy. I, I've heard people talk to me, I've had people talk to me who live through the Great Depression. 
And they've told me about some of the hardships that they endured. And I've had them say something like this, Brother Lambert, we didn't have much. We, we just had enough to put on the table at times to feed our family, and we had a large family. But Brother Lambert, even though we didn't have much, we were happy. And we were a close-knit family. Maybe that, that might explain the reason we have families today. They're not happy. They've had everything you can imagine. They, they have everything under the sun that's ever been invented. And they're not as close-knit as families ought to be. Just, just because a person may not be in want doesn't mean that they're not happy. Paul said, I have learned to be happy in whatever situation I find myself. I know the world doesn't understand that kind of happiness. In Philippians, the fourth chapter, verses 6 and 7, Paul said, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God that passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You see, the world doesn't understand that peace because it passes their understanding. But men have a tendency to attach happiness to stuff, to things. But happiness is an inside job. P Polycarp, who lived back in the early days of the church, was killed because of his faith. He, he was asked to renounce his faith, but he refused. And he said... Eighty and six years have I served him, and he hath not wronged me. How can I blaspheme my king who has saved me? I, I'm aware that the world does not understand that kind of commitment. But you see, the Christian knows what Jesus can do. He can do all things through Christ who strengthens him, Philippians 4.13. Oh, I wish that you were a Christian. May I encourage you to be one? Folks, the half has not been told about the happiness of living the Christian life and the closing moments. May I invite you to visit the Church of Christ in your community and also may I encourage you right now to request the free Bible correspondence course. Please call for it. I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. It's my prayer. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ. If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, 
Post Office Box 314, Somerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bibles. <laughs>